For the inaugural sermon this morning, let us turn in God's word to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1. text will be verses 5 through 10. We will not reread the text, so I ask that you pay special attention to those verses. Jeremiah 1, verse 1, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen for I will hasten my word, perform it. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, What seest thou? And I said, I see a seething pot, and the face thereof is toward the north. Then the Lord said unto me, Out of the north an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord, And they shall come, and they shall set every one his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem, and against all the walls thereof round about, and against all the cities of Judah. And I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness, who have forsaken me, and have burned incense unto other gods, and worshipped the works of their own hands. Thou... Therefore, gird up thy loins, and arise, and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, 
lest I confound thee before them. For, before, for behold, I have made thee this day a defensed city and an iron pillar and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. Thus far we read God's holy and inerrant word. May he add his blessing upon the reading of his holy scriptures. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, anyone who has ever been set apart to perform a difficult task, a task that they know full well is beyond what they of themselves have the ability to do, a task which naturally is so exacting of them that it will require every ounce of energy and strength within them, a task so heavy that it would weigh upon one's shoulders like a weight a heavy weight that would squeeze the breath and the very life out of that individual. Anyone who has ever experienced something like that can relate to Jeremiah when he responded to God calling him to be a prophet in the land of Judah. And Jeremiah's response was, No. Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. For I am a child. I suppose some would be critical. Some would shake their finger in his face and say, No, no, Jeremiah. You mustn't respond that way. It's wrong. It's wicked. Rebellious to respond that way. We'll examine this and see whether there is any room for correction here to Jeremiah. But at the same time, can we not understand his response? Mothers, press down with the weightiness of caring for their children day after day. 
How often are you not struck with the sense, I cannot. Fathers, with the burdens and the responsibilities, not only of providing for the home financially, but also leading the home spiritually, when struck with that weighty responsibility is inclined to respond, Heavenly Father, I cannot. And we need God's encouragement. Let's consider then this morning Jeremiah called of the Lord. First, we'll look at God's words. Second, consider Jeremiah's reluctance. Third, God's encouragement. Begin by considering God's words. Verse 9. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. If we are to understand these verses, we must know something about my words, God's words. There would be no need for a prophet. There would be no need here in Hall Protestant Reformed Church for a minister if God was not the God who had and has words. God is a speaking and a communicating God. He speaks within himself as the triune God. The Father speaks words of love to the Son, and the Son responds with loving submission unto the Father, and the Spirit proceeds from the Father and from the Son as the holy breath of God, whereby the Father and the Son are united together. And by these words that is spoken from the Father to the Son and vice versa, there is fellowship and there is love and there is intimacy within the Godhead. But God not only speaks within himself as the three persons of the Trinity, but the Almighty God, the uncreated God, also has words for the creature. God turns and he addresses those who are created. And God not only speaks to the creature, but the amazing thing is that God addresses the creature in such a way that we who are creatures can understand. We can know something of God because God reveals himself unto us. You see, when we sin, we do the opposite. Sin is shameful. And sin is ugly. And you know that when you sin. So then what do we do by nature when we commit a sin? We withdraw. We hide. We don't want to talk and open ourselves up to others. But God, the one in whom there is no unrighteousness 
is found is pleased to open himself up to us, the creature. He is not ashamed of himself. He has nothing to hide, no guilt, but he reveals himself. But now you sense, beloved, the great difficulty here. The difficulty is this. How is he who is the Almighty God, who is exalted in the heavens, the God who is eternal and unchangeable, without beginning of days and without ending of days, the God who is so great that the heavens of heavens cannot contain him, how is this Almighty God going to reveal himself to us? who are created out of the dust, who spend a few years walking upon this earth and then return to the dust. And we're tied to this earth with a thousand ties. And now the Almighty and the Heavenly God has words, my words, he says, that he's going to bring unto us. How is this going to happen? that we are going to be able not only to hear, but also to understand heaven's language. And one word, the answer, Christ. Christ is the word of God. As God reached forth with his hand and put his words In Jeremiah's mouth, God was giving unto him in an Old Testament form the Spirit, which pointed him to, led him to proclaim the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Word of God, who was with God in the beginning. He is the express image of the Father. He is the revelation of the triune God. Apart from Jesus Christ, there is no knowledge of God. But it is by Christ that God from his heavenly throne condescends to this earth and reveals himself to the creature. John 1 verse 14 And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But Jesus Christ was only upon this earth for a short window of time, so 33 years. So how then did God reveal himself throughout all of the history of the Old Testament? Or in the New Testament, after Jesus Christ was brought up into heaven, how does God continue to reveal himself? And what this text, along with many others, makes clear unto us is that God is pleased to use prophets. In the Old Testament, ministers. In the New Testament, by whom God himself addresses his sheep. John 13, verse 20, Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send 
receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. In light of the fact that God has words, that God is placed to reveal himself, and he does so through prophets, it's then that we understand this word, this commissioning that God gave to Jeremiah. God came to Jeremiah, verse 9, The Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Jeremiah, who was he? He was a young Jewish man who, according to verse 1, grew up as the son of Hilkiah. Hilkiah was one of the priests that were in Anathoth. Anathoth was a small village a little bit north of Jerusalem in the small tribe of Benjamin. Jeremiah was born and lived at a very troubled time in the history of Israel. It was a low point for God's people. It was a time when the law of God had all but been forgotten. A time when the people were not giving unto the land the rest that God had commanded them to give it. A time when the faithful worship of God had been forsaken. A time when there was great apostasy falling away from the truth throughout the land. It was a time of division in the history of God's covenant nation as the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom split one from another. Families pitted against families and brethren turned against brethren. This low point in Israel's history would continue up until first the northern ten tribes, the land of Israel, And then later on, the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, would be taken into captivity. It is now towards the end of Judah's existence as an independent nation, right before Judah is going to be taken captive by the Babylonians, that God now calls Jeremiah to serve as a prophet in the land. God spoke directly to him. Jeremiah 1, verse 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Jeremiah then would be that mouthpiece by which God Almighty addressed the people of Judah. It is true that the people of Judah had some of the scriptures, some of the Old Testament scriptures. They had the law of Moses. They had the Psalms of David. And yet, they needed Jeremiah to bring unto them the word of God for that unique occasion. They needed to hear the stern warnings 
that Jeremiah would bring unto them, admonishing them and rebuking them for their wickedness. They needed to hear of the justice and the holiness of God. Those were God's words. I am a holy, holy, holy God. And they needed to be reminded of that holiness and transcendence of God. They needed to be warned about the coming judgment that would come upon them. Jeremiah 1 verse 14, Then the Lord said unto me out of the north, and evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. The tenth verse describes some of the work that Jeremiah would have. See, God says, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms. And what was his duty? To root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. This is the power of the word of God as God addressed Judah through Jeremiah the prophet. Striking how many of these things that are listed out in the 10th verse are what we would call negative things. The word of God, before it plants and before it builds up, is going to go forth. And according to Jeremiah 23, verse 29, it will be as the hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. The word of God goes forth and it is as a two-edged sword which cuts to the quick. It is the word of God that goes forth and it has power and it has authority. That's why God told Jeremiah that he was set over the nations and over the kingdoms. It's not that Jeremiah himself would be a king who ruled over the kingdoms and the nations of the earth. But the idea is this, that there is such power in that word that Jeremiah would bring that that word would rule over the people. That's why he was set over the kingdoms and over the nations, because that word of God, which came from the thrice holy heavenly God, directed the courses of the kingdoms and the nations of the earth. And how God will use his word in Hall PRC to root out to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, I do not know. But God knows. God knows where there are hidden sins. God knows where there's open rebelliousness. God knows. When the Sabbath day, the day of rest, has not been kept as it ought, God knows. When the faithful worship of himself is no longer done in a way that is pleasing to him, and God uses his word as the hammer that breaks the rock into pieces, But not just a destructive power is the word of God. There's also an edifying 
power. Building back up in this too, God commissioned Jeremiah the prophet to do. The 10th verse concludes to build and to plant. It would be the duty of Jeremiah the prophet to bring a word of grace. And to those who were penitent, sorry for their sins, to those who acknowledged their wrongdoings and who confessed them before God. It was his duty as prophet to bring them that same powerful word, which is a word of forgiveness in the coming Messiah. And so it is my duty here in Hall. I know not whose hearts are broken over sins, sins committed recently, or perhaps sins committed long ago. I know not who is fearful to come into God's house because They have such high thoughts of the justice and the holiness of God that they would hardly dare come to God's house. But God knows who the contrite in spirit are. And to them, there's a word of grace to build and to plant. God directs our eyes to Jesus Christ, in whom there is redemption. When Jeremiah received this calling from God, he was so reluctant to take it up. He said, after God called him in the fifth verse, he responded, verse 6, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Two objections. First, I can't speak. Second, I'm a child. That's the reason I cannot speak, because I am but a child. There are different senses in which one can be a child. One can be a full-grown adult, but very immature and irrational in behavior. And then it's said of that person that he's childish. Another sense in which one can be a child is when one lacks understanding or discernment about a particular subject. And we say of that person that he has a childlike understanding. Different ideas as to what this word child means. Some interpret it quite literally that Jeremiah was but a young boy, perhaps eight, nine, ten years old, when the word of the Lord came to him and called him to be a prophet. But if we look at how the scriptures use this word translated here as child elsewhere, other passages of scripture would indicate that This is not referring to a young boy, somebody 8 to 10 years old, but this is a reference to a young man. 
It's translated that way as young men in Genesis. Genesis 14, verse 24, where it refers here to the trained servants of Abraham. It says, quote, save only that which the young men have eaten and the portion of the men which went after me. So the idea here of this verse is not so much that Jeremiah was too young to begin the work of a prophet, but rather this, that as Jeremiah reflected on himself, he judged that he did not have the maturity yet to be able to take out the work of serving as the mouthpiece of the Lord. His objection here was very personal and very practical. It's not that Jeremiah didn't care about Judah and the people of Judah. It's not that Jeremiah did not care about God and the proclamation, the revelation of Jehovah God unto the kingdoms and the nations of the earth, but it's this, that Jeremiah felt that he was inadequate for being that mouthpiece of God. Now, it's striking here, who is the one who is making this judgment? It wasn't the other people of Judah, as Judah observed Jeremiah, this young man from the village of Anathoth, that they said of him, well, he's too young, or he lacks this or that qualification. It wasn't the rulers of the land who were saying that Jeremiah wasn't qualified. It wasn't even Almighty God who knows and who observes all things, who, as he reflected upon Jeremiah, judged that Jeremiah lacked the qualifications. Instead, it was Jeremiah himself. As he reflected on his own abilities, maturity, development, understanding and knowledge of the truth that Jeremiah in his own analysis concluded, I cannot speak, for I am too young. Is it not the case that we oftentimes are our own harshest critics It's not others telling us that we are ill-qualified for the task or responsibility at hand. But as we reflect on ourselves and critique and evaluate what we have done or what we have failed to do, but then we judge. We are ill-qualified for the work at hand. This is not the first time in history, nor would it be the last time in history, that an individual called by God would object to this calling. Remember Moses? when God spoke to him through the burning bush. And Moses objected. Exodus 4, verse 10 Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, 
but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. But the question is, was it wrong? Was it sinful of Jeremiah to voice this concern, even this objection to God saying, I cannot speak for I am but a child. And as is oftentimes the case, there's some element of truth to what Jeremiah said, but on the other hand, we shall see that there also was an element of either weakness or lack of faith in Jeremiah. On the one hand, the words that Jeremiah said were true words. Jeremiah was accurate in his assessment of his abilities. He knew some of the implications of receiving this call, this commission of God. God was calling him to serve as a prophet in a very difficult, difficult time in history. And Jeremiah understood that he would be the lone voice crying in the wilderness, calling the people unto repentance and faith in the coming Messiah. Jeremiah had some understanding, even at the outset of this calling from God, how lonely and how difficult that road would be for him. He understood that the people of Judah were not going to be thrilled when he came to them telling them that there was going to come a great nation out of the north who was going to destroy them and take them captive because of their persistence in sins. He might not have known all the specifics of the difficulties that would be ahead of him. He might not have known that he would be taken captive himself, would go down to Egypt, and would die down there in captivity in Egypt. But he knew enough of the difficulties of serving as the prophet of God that as he evaluated the weightiness of the responsibility before him, he concluded I cannot, for I am but a child. The humility of Jeremiah is to be held forth as an example for us all. God is not pleased to use proud men, men who think that They have great amounts of wisdom. Men who think that they are going to be the ones who are going to solve all the problems. Men who think that they are indispensable to the cause of the church of Jesus Christ in this world. God is not pleased to use arrogant, pompous men for the leading of his church. And there's a call here to myself as pastor, to the elders, and to the deacons, that we are to remember that our sufficiency is not of ourselves. For who is sufficient for these things? 
So on the one hand, we commend the humility and the honesty of Jeremiah. But on the other hand, is there not something missing in Jeremiah's response? God called him, and what does Jeremiah not mention in his response? He says, Behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. What's missing is the evidence of faith. His focus was inward. I am a child. I cannot speak. And what needed to happen was for God to have Jeremiah take his eyes off of himself and for God to fix his eyes upon the Lord God Almighty. You see, that's precisely where God would have you and me to be. Confessing that of of ourselves we have not the strength. But our confidence is that God will sustain us. So God came to Jeremiah with encouragement. God was not sharp, angry with Jeremiah, but God did correct him gently as a father who loves his child. Three different ways that we consider that God gave encouragement to Jeremiah. First of all, God encouraged him by reminding him that he was ordained and created by God himself for this very purpose, to serve as prophet in the land. Verse 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And the meaning here is not Simply generally that Jeremiah was an elect child of God who had been set apart from the time in his mother's womb to be a child of faith in Jehovah God, though that was true too. But the meaning more specifically here is that from the time that Jeremiah was in the womb, God had set him apart for special office in the Old Testament covenant nation of Judah. God had ordained him to be a prophet, and then God directed all of the circumstances of Jeremiah's life, equipping him and preparing him to serve as a prophet from on high. It wasn't as if it was an afterthought on behalf of Jehovah God, that God looked down from heaven and tried to evaluate as he looked upon all of the faces of the people of Judah, who would be the most qualified to serve as his mouthpiece in Judah. But rather, from the time that Jeremiah was inside his mother's womb, God had set him apart. This would be the man who would go forth and speak unto Judah at this late point in Judah's history. 
And so God had shaped him inside his mother's womb. God caused him to be born unto Hilkiah of the family of the priests so that he would receive a religious training. God was sovereign over the education and the development of Jeremiah. Jeremiah came to years of discretion. And then God then gave unto Jeremiah opportunity to speak to God's people. And so who was Jeremiah to criticize God's equipping of him? I formed you. I shaped you. Now you go and speak. That, first of all, was Jeremiah's encouragement. He saw his weaknesses. You see yours and I see mine. But God's word to me is, speak. I've ordained you for this. I've been sovereign over the circumstances of your life. Now speak. The second encouragement that God gave to Jeremiah was God reminded Jeremiah that God would be the one who would direct his footsteps. Jeremiah would go only where God would send him. Verse 7, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. Many different places Jeremiah would go, sometimes to high places, sometimes to low places sometimes appearing before rulers and princes and kings of the earth, other times put in very, very low places, prison. At one point, he was even thrown into a deep, dark pit. And there he was left to die until his friend came and threw a rope down and lifted him out of that pit by the rope. And who was sovereign over sending him to the high end, to the low places, but Jehovah God. I will send you. That, too, is the prophet's confidence. That is his safeguard. He goes not where he wants to go, but he goes where God would have him go. And at times God calls prophets and in the New Testament ministers to go to places where they are stretched beyond what they believe that they have the strength of themselves to bear up under. And the word of God to me as a pastor is that I must remember God sent me. 
And then the third and final word of encouragement that we note this morning that God gave to Jeremiah was the word that Jeremiah would never be apart from Jehovah God. Verse 8, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord God. God would go with Jeremiah, not because Jeremiah was so strong, stalwart, faithful of himself, but God would go with Jeremiah because God is the the Lord whose word is faithful. Just as the Father within the Trinity always loves the Son, and the Son always loves the Father, and the Father is faithful to the Son, and the Son is faithful to the Father. So God, as He reveals Himself outside of the Godhead, to us who are His children, is faithful. His Word is dependable. And His Word unto us is that He will not permit a single one of His children to fall from His grace or from His favor. So that was Jeremiah's confidence then as he went throughout Judah and then later was taken captive. God was with him. And so my confidence is that God, by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, is with me. We need the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Christ, who is delivered for our offenses and who is raised for our justification. Christ, who submitted unto the Father all his life long, who was the perfect prophet, who made known the Father perfectly, revealing the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven unto the Israelites of old, Christ, who laid down his life on the cross in order to deliver us from our sins and from our weakness, our sins and the guilt due to us for those sins. Our confidence is that God gives to us the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, we love thee because thou hast first loved us. We thank thee for giving unto us as a congregation thy word. We thank thee for the man whom thou hast called to go in and out among us, laboring in our midst to bring unto us that word of life. That thou graciously, Father, forgive even the sins of this worship service. Send us home with thy blessing. For Jesus' sake, amen.